Hey, I'm Vinny. And I'm Nat. And this is the Relatively Fit Podcast. Hello. Hi. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't laugh straight away. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just tired, and I've had enough of everyone. People <sighs> smell. Well, we all do have our different aromas, yes. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't go around saying people smell. <laughs> What's and, wrong? Everyone's just annoying, and everyone smells, and everyone smells. Oh. oh no, I'm just tired. I had a 5 a.m. wake up call this morning. Oh no. <laughs> and you know me when I don't get much sleep. Oh my goodness. You're one of those people. Like, what is it? If you're hungry and you're angry, you're, you're hangry. I don't know what it is when you're tired and you're angry. <laughs> What's tangry? <laughs> I don't know, but tangry. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything else. Tangry. Well, tangry. maybe I'm tangry then. Um, but yeah, I'm very much like a baby. If I don't get my required hours of sleep, mm. I just want to fight everyone. Although the babies can't fight, but they just cry. Yeah. I can cry will... too. I cry. Literally, this girl, if she literally could, she'd be like, you know, when you're in the supermarket and you really feel sorry for this mum because she's trying her best to hold it down and trying her best to hold the kid down and the kid just lies on the floor and screams, that would be you. That would be Vinny. Who who would I be, the kid or the mom? You'd be the kid and I'll be the mom. <laughs> I'll be like, no, stop. Um, has anyone got any chocolate? <laughs> no, I wouldn't be the kid because when that happens, you would be. I'm. I walk down the the aisle and I'm like, control your youth, man. Why, why is the kid on the floor like rolling around? There's coronavirus all over on the floor and it's all nasty. Coronavirus on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. The floor is just nasty. Yeah, the so floor I is nasty. I won't be the child. You would be. I would be. You're not yourself when you're tired. You really are not yourself. <laughs> and I don't like speaking to people when I'm tired. I don't like people talking to me. Listen, can I just say, she doesn't like anyone breathing or living. <laughs> oh my God. Did the I not meme. send you the meme? I fell out. <laughs> I fell out. I was like, this is my sister. This is totally her. Oh she doesn't days. like anything. She doesn't like anyone. Everyone smells. Everyone smells. Everyone's a bad person. Everyone's just been born to ruin her life specifically. I think, I think we should actually share that meme. Because I think you that should. Because anyone like that me. knows you will say, yes, this is she. So basically, this is her. it's a picture of a woman. And she's like side-eyeing this person. And the caption is, me when I can hear people chewing and then it's got the same picture with the same caption but with the word chewing scribbled out so it's me when I can hear people and then it's got a few other words scribbled out for the next caption and it just says people (laughs) (laughs) yeah so basically she don't like anybody she don't like people okay I don't like people yeah but anyway I had a nap today and I woke up to an egg and cheese bagel so that was lovely that's nice better now well, I'm in pain. Can I just tell you that? Oh, what? Well, it's not pain. It's just a little bit of soreness, you know, because I've been double jabbed. Oh. <laughs> My arm hurts a little bit. Oh, okay. 
but I don't hate anyone and I don't want to kill you, anyone. I thought you was going to like say, oh yeah, guys, I'm sore because I ran a marathon before breakfast. I know, And dear. then I went to the gym. I'm not I that committed. I, that I really don't. Like I said, you're not yourself. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was due to run today, but because I basically... <laughs> When I say basically, everyone sit down and pull up a chair because it's going to be a story. But basically, um, the lady from the NHS or my doctors rang me and she was like, "Um, you know, you can book your next appointment. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I know. She was like, "Uh, so do you want to book it now? And I was like, uh, I'm not really sure. Applied the pressure, my God. Yes, I'm standing there sweating in the kitchen. I'm (laughs) like, give me a minute. "Uh, I don't really know. And she said, we've got a clinic tonight. And I'm kind of like, hmm. I'm not really sure. No, can I come tomorrow? And I could hear her sigh like, don't you realise this is a pandemonium? This is a pandemic. You need to get jabbed ASAP. So I was like, okay, well, I can't make tonight but I can make tomorrow which was yesterday evening and I said what appointments have you got and she said oh we go up to 8 30 so I was like cool because obviously if there are any side effects or I'm feeling a bit ropey I can literally go to bed sleep for however many hours and then get up hopefully refreshed and feeling a little bit better in the morning yeah so I woke up this morning, absolutely fine, but my arm is a little bit tender. What one did you get? Um, Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah, Pfizer. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm all right in myself. I've not had any cold sweats, any flu-like symptoms. You know, I I must admit, I do have the constitution of an ox, so I very rarely get ill or taken down. And when I do, it's like serious, like in bed for a couple of days. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely fine. It's just that my arm's a little bit sore. <laughs> well, at least you can you can um you can go to certain countries and not have to quarantine. Well, to be honest with you, I wasn't thinking of travel at any point. Oh, year. I am. No, I'm just kind <laughs> of like you know what, let this pass. Um. Oh, not this year. No, no, but, um, no, not yes, for me. Eventually, for me. I mean, yeah. it's been when it gets to December this year, it'll be two years that I haven't been on a plane, and that is just like, I mean, first, first world, world pro- yeah, oh, first world problems. By five. <laughs> first world problems first world problems but i mean when you made it a goal to be on a plane every year Mm. and you've been on a plane every year since like 2011 pretty much well you know sometimes you know goals have to be adjusted because this was totally out of your control out of any of our control really yeah and um yeah it's good to make plans and have things to look forward to in the future but then life or a pandemic or you know any other event can just come in and swerve everything. So personally, I don't think I'm going to travel anywhere this year. Um, It's all next year, all being well. Yeah. Because I think I've got the Chicago Marathon in October and I have to do it. You think or you do? I do. And I have to do it because next year, because uh, when Corona happened, I was due to do it that year, I think. Yes, I was. And they called it off quite rightly so and they gave you the option of doing it within three years so I think 
even next year or the year after is the last time that I can do it. So I thought, well, next year, it'd be really nice. Um, Why not? And it's something that I've got a little time to save up towards as well. Um, So, yeah, if I do go away, it will be next year. Cool. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. What about you? Next year? Yeah, next year. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got to say on that. All right. Well, moving swiftly on. Moving swiftly on. Inspo of the week. Yeah. Is it my turn? Do you know what? Lost track of whose turn it is, but we just think that this person is appropriate. Totally. For what's to come in this episode today. So. Yes. That being said, take it away. Okay, so the inspo of the week from me this week is a lady called Louise Green. She's a fitness coach and a body positive advocate, size inclusive fitness expert, coach, speaker and author of a book called Big Fit Girl and Fitness for Everyone. Louise is an advocate for for fitness being attainable at any size and is steadily trying to help women find their inner athlete and take pride in what their bodies can do, even though they may not fit the conventional mould of what an athlete should look like. Louise pushes for change in the fitness industry and wants it to be more inclusive. An example of this is in her book, Fitness for Everyone, where it features a diverse range what you was going to say, deranged. Deranged, no. <laughs> A diverse range of people demonstrating the exercises from a pregnant woman to a wheelchair user and a person with a prosthetic leg. Louise recently ran an initiative for women to sign up to a marathon training plan devised to help women take up running and believe in their abilities. Now, I've got one of her quotes here. And this is from an Instagram posting that Louise put out. And it says, if I can find it. Right, so, an athlete is not defined by their shape. And within each and every one of us, there lives an athlete. Body type shape is a product of genetics, health, cultural socio-economical access to health and wellness and more let's be careful around the language we use because statistically approximately 91 percent of american women are dissatisfied with their bodies and that is not okay it's a massive preoccupation that keeps women in an oppressive state imagine all the mental real estate that would be freed up if you loved your body and believed it was correct. Life is so short. Our lives should be filled with laughter, love, purpose, not battling the very vessel that keeps us alive. Your shape is fine. Your body is great. And if you're not feeling healthy, start small. Be kind, take it slow, find your joy in movement. So our inspo of the week is the lovely Louise Green. Lovely. I love that Very quote. Very lovely. Yes, it's beautiful. I mean, 
she's a smart woman and she says a lot of smart stuff but that one really stuck out to me and it's fitting because of our special guest well it all ties in yeah look at that talk to us about our guest okay Jeanette is called the mindset nutritionist and she talks about intuitive eating what it is what it's got to do with our thought process and how we feel about our body um there's just so much information here that we think you will find really really useful um Jeanette just speaks so much truth and so much sense that really kind of resonates with me and yeah we hope you enjoy thank you so much for joining us Jeanette um I think we we should just start from the beginning what led you down the kind of road of becoming a nutritionist talk to us a bit about your journey oh my goodness I always wanted to be a chef when like I remember watching Ainsley Harriet growing up like on Ready Steady Cook and that kind of thing yeah yeah I know so (laughs) I remember having like the old TVs with you know the really really big backs and I remember watching him and just being like I want to be Ainsley Harriet one day yeah um and I did work experience at the age of 15 um in kitchens and I realized how much I hate it (laughs) oh right hated it I hated being behind the scenes. Um, I didn't like the kind of pressured environment. Um, it just wasn't for me. Um, it just I just wasn't where my passion was. Hmm. And at the time, I was really enjoying science and I was enjoying human biology. And I really wanted to then explore what I could do with that, marrying like my love of food with like science and came up with wanting to become a dietitian. Um, I didn't end up becoming a dietitian because I, during my A-level years, I discovered boys. Um, (laughs) It's still my dream now to end up becoming a dietitian one day. Obviously, I'm a qualified nutritionist now, and it's still on the bucket list to be able to do that. Um, But I think from then was when my kind of disordered eating really started. Um, I realized that my body was very different to what a traditional like nutritionist looks like. Mm. Um, I say traditional, probably not even nutrition, the kind of nutritionist you think of when you look on the internet and that kind of thing. Um, I've always been between a small fat body and a mid fat body. Um, and I stopped eating for a while in that time as well. Um, which didn't make, wasn't very good. Obviously not very good at all. Um, Ended up starting eating again because I realised how bad that was after I fainted in House of Fraser. And um, so it was to that level that you were yeah. that you actually passed out. Yeah, I remember oh, waking yes. up and my sister buying me like a packet of crisps, just going, please eat this, Jeanette. Like, please oh, just wow. eat something. So it's kind of crazy how food has that much of an impact and the appearance that you have has like that much of an impact on you. But yeah, yeah became a a nutritionist and actually the reason why I mentioned that was because the main reason why I didn't actually go one of the main reasons why I didn't actually go and do my master's in dietetics straight after nutrition which I had my application form filled out for about three universities was remember this is my dream mm. uh, and I didn't do it because of my body once again I didn't fit in with what I thought a dietitian or a nutritionist would look like. So I applied to become a teacher. 
Um, and that's what I've, I've done um, teaching as a food teacher for nearly 11 years now with wow. still always doing nutrition on the side. So I've always been a nutrition educator and helped people out one way or another. Wow. Can I just um, backtrack a little bit? Yeah, of course. Because um, you spoke about being a nutritionist, mm-hmm. get your words out. <laughs> I've been up early teaching, so <laughs> forgive me. Yeah, yeah, a little tired here. <laughs> but um, you spoke about being a nutritionist and a dietitian. So I'm guessing there's a slight difference there. Mm. Could you explain mm. a little bit about that? That's a good point, actually. Yeah. So a nutritionist is someone that can help people with um, who are just general public, who don't really have health issues um if you're under a doctor for a health issue or something like diabetes um that kind of thing you need to go and see a dietitian so a dietitian can prescribe a diet and they can also diagnose um as a nutritionist i'm not allowed to prescribe a diet or diagnose but i can help treat symptoms so stuff like symptoms of ibs um symptoms of menopause those kind of things i can help with um but yeah, diagnosing side, I'm not allowed to do because I'm a nutritionist. Got you. That's okay. a really yeah, good question. Thank you actually. for explaining that because I yeah. feel like I I feel like a lot of people think they're the same thing. Yeah, and it's actually like a slight mm. difference. So that's really good to know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and it's really important. I think in in is it depends on the country as well because in America they're called nutrition di- um, dietitians or dietitian nutritionists as well. So that can kind of blur blow everything there as well yeah Yeah. for sure cool um so tell us about what you do as like the mindset nutritionist because that's like your name on instagram i love that by the way it's really cool (laughs) yeah Um, talk to us a little bit about that and also what intuitive eating is what that means yeah um so as a mindset nutritionist that's kind of i i went through this whole journey so as i said i've like being a teacher, being an educator in um, nutrition, doing freelance nutrition jobs on the side, um, to always keep my hand in and to, kind of, I, I'm just such a scientist. I love evidence. I love research. I love looking into that kind of thing. It's just what I've always enjoyed doing. Um, and I remember someone saying, I, I'd done diets. I'd done, um, I tried SimFast, oh, which was hideous. Um, I tried um slimming world also hideous i tried calorie counting also hideous and i ended up bigger than what i was like at the start and i remember just thinking okay we'll give this a break and someone's texting and um they're like oh are you um health at every size aligned and i was like sorry what i've like, <laughs> never heard of that before yeah but I did like a deep dive into that because I was like, okay, if this is something that's in nutrition now, like I really need to know about this and educate myself about this, which is exactly what I did. And it kind of was like this switch for me. And it was a switch for me in my professional as well as my um, like personal journey. Um, I was like, because I'm I'm a new, being a nutritionist, I know how to feed myself well. I know that I've always eaten well. I've always enjoyed movement. I've enjoyed exercise. There hasn't been a moment in my life where I've really disliked it, yet I've always, as I said, been in a fat body. 
And having the training that I had at, at uni, which was very much your health is strongly linked with your weight. What you need to do mm. is lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. That's a constant thing. Like, yes, good nutrition is important, but also you must lose weight. And as soon as I started reading about health at every size, that actually it's not necessarily about what you weigh. It's actually about your healthy behaviors that you have within your life. I was just like, that makes so much sense. Like I was sat there in a healthy fat body that I thought that I had to shrink every single moment, mm. but actually I didn't have to shrink. I was supposed to be thinking about my healthy behaviors, which is when I went on to my own journey into intuitive eating. And intuitive eating is exactly that. It's healing your relationship with food. So you're basically, diets make, diets make you obsessed about food. They restrict. Yeah. No matter which one we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They, like you could be doing like a low fat diet or you could switch to a low carb diet or then you start calorie counting, which is still restricting because you're still restricting calories, which is nutrition. Mm. Um, or you could be doing keto, you know, one way or another, you're trying to restrict. And whenever you're trying to restrict, your body has like this survival technique that want, that goes, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is crazy. Um, we're not supposed to be losing weight because if we're losing weight, we're starving because your body doesn't realize that starving and dieting are two separate things in our world. But your body just sees it as one thing because you're still lowering the amount of calories that's coming into your body. I'm just and, having like a light yeah. moment now completely <laughs> because when you were mentioning, sorry to interject, but that's right. when you were mentioning all those slimming clubs, so I was kind of like, mm. yes, yeah, tried it, been there. Mm. And now from what you're saying, it's kind of like peeling an onion, like the layers are yeah. sort of coming off and I'm kind of understanding as you speak, what the intuitive eating is all about, because I'm probably going to answer one of my own questions, but um, <laughs> this is what it doesn't teach you at the slimming class. It doesn't help your mind to come to grips uh -oh. with what your body is doing and exactly. how much you want to eat. Sorry, yeah. continue. <laughs> no, no, and you're, you're exactly right. Like dieting tries to simplify something that is extremely complicated mm. there's a lot of things that we know about our bodies but also a lot of things that are so complex in our bodies that we don't understand just yet yeah. um, biologists are still trying to work out everything that goes on in our gut biome and our gut and we're having so many things that are coming out on a yearly basis of what we actually never knew we assume that we know all these things diets make everything seem so simple all we need to do is eat less move more and more lose weight yeah Whereas actually survival wise, if you think about where we've come from and how we've evolved and stuff, the reason why we are sitting here right now is because we have loads of survival processes within our body. And that's not just physically, that's also all of the stuff that goes on with our, like our mental stuff as well. So when we're restricting our body um, lowers our BMR, which is the amount of calories that we need to actually keep ourselves alive. So actually the reason why we end up losing the weight then we put on the weight plus a little bit more is because your bmr goes down the amount of calories that you need to keep yourself alive mm -hmm. and that stays down as well for pretty much your whole life and then not only that you have the psychological things that goes on so because you're restricting yourself because you're 
say no to these things because you're like, I'm not allowed to have that pizza. Like, I can't have that pizza. What do you want the most? You want the pizza. Mm. You're literally going to go to sleep thinking about pizza and wake up thinking about pizza and literally well, be obsessed what, about Jeanette? it. The thing is, I was sorry, like, we're letting it all out now. Well, this is great. I was talking to mum and I was like, you know when you want that thing, whatever the thing mm. is for you, for me, it was mm. I think it was something like a Kit Kat other chocolates are available but um this is what I wanted and she was like yeah and um, because like you want this thing you keep thinking about it and then you'll go and eat a ton of stuff and say oh because I'm not gonna eat that thing when you should just eat the thing and you'd eat be satisfied thing. but by then you've eaten like a bowl of cereal you might have had exactly. a bad I mean have you ever um, yeah oh okay yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, get it. I get it I get it <laughs> so yeah I'm definitely and that's yeah that's it and that's exactly where binge eating overeating comes mm. from because if you're trying to not eat something if you're trying to restrict yourself and try to literally restriction can even be you just making sure that that thing is not in the house. Like people yeah. are so scared to have certain foods in their house, they just won't keep it there. That's still a form of restriction, which is why ultimately you're not satisfying yourself. You're not honoring your hunger, which is all about intuitive eating. And that's why you end up having a binge or you end up overeating. So that's not good for you. That's not good for your physical health. That's not good for your mental health because what comes with that is all the shame and the guilt yeah. and then the possible or like overcompensation with exercise like comes with that as well. None of that's good for us. So that intuitive eating is going, okay, what's going to make my body feel good? Mm. Movement, eating well, actually think not having shame or guilt about me not doing some exercise today or me actually eating a pizza today, today and being fine with that and just completely honoring our body but it's something that is quite tricky to get our heads around at first because it's also something that's completely weight neutral so it's something that um we're not concerned about your weight we're not concerned whether you're going to put on weight, maintain or lose weight. With intuitive eating, all of those are valid. All of those are equal and all of those are completely and utterly okay because we're trying to trust our body and go with what our body needs. And that's the challenging thing, I think, for a lot of people because we have yeah. this kind of deep set thing in society that makes us think that fat is actually bad. Whereas actually, it's not as bad as what we think it is. Yeah. So with intuitive eating um is there a, an amount of self-discipline that's involved because, I wouldn't, I, yeah it's you know. not I wouldn't call it self-discipline um because okay. self-discipline invokes a lot of diety thoughts like yeah. diets are like you're going to be disciplined you're going to be motivated I'll do yeah. that next time like I have to have the willpower right. whereas intuitive eating there's a lot of unlearning so it's quite is although it's not therapy it's quite therapeutic because yeah. you end up going into intuitive eating one of my recent clients just said i have i have a my brain is muddled i have all of these things that i can and can't eat that i'm really confused about with all of these different layers and then i'm really concerned about my body, about my body and about my health mm. and about all these other bits and pieces and how i look and how i fit in clothes and it just feels like this and intuitive eating goes from it being like a muddle to kind of straighten things out. 
and it kind of helps you do some healing. So that's where kind of like is quite, it feels quite therapeutic and it has such a ripple effect across your life. And the great thing is, is that a lot of the benefits that you get from dieting, which is short-lived because everyone knows we can lose weight. If I really decided to, which I'll never do again, if I really decided to get up tomorrow and go on a slim fast diet, I know I could drop weight extremely quickly. I mean, I don't know why I'd want to do that. I'd much rather the pizza. (laughs) I wouldn't want to do it, but I could do it. Every single person can lose weight. But what's going to happen as soon as I start eating normally after slim fast? Yes. I'm going to just put the weight back on again. Yeah, Yeah. every single person's been there. And a bit more as well. That's the kicker. That is the kicker. And there's that extra bit on top of it. And you're just like... Exactly. Yeah. So it's not sustainable. And there's not actually Mm. one paper out there. I've done the work. I did the research. There's not one paper out there that shows that weight loss is sustainable over a long amount of time. There's one paper that goes up to five years and and like post diet. And the percentage is is 5% of people manage to keep weight off at five years. Wow. It was a small spell. So it is obviously possible for some people. Like I don't want to come in and go it's never going to work for everyone it's very dependent as well it's very dependent on the person mm. that five percent the thing that they haven't looked at with the people who it has been successful is have they ended up with disordered eating or eating disorders can they eat normally are they overcompensating with their exercise how are they mentally how are they physically there's no science in there there's actually huge gaps in here because the assumption is that diets work because we can sell diets so yeah it's kind of a lot of unpacking that goes on yeah there is a lot because I was gonna ask um because I think you've said that um dieting ignores your biology so Mm. does that mean that they don't work so it's clear (laughs) they don't work so next question (laughs) (laughs) I feel this is like healing and learning for me as well so if it's helping yeah me, I was gonna say like it's very yeah um, I've while she was talking Jeanette just like thinking back to like seeing my sister like going mm. through all of those things and then also just to backtrack a little bit more um you saying that like you're in like a nutritionist and then like trying to go to the dietitian route you were kind of held back because of how you felt within yourself and how mm. you looked. It's funny that because, okay, just um, for context, like I haven't been bigger than like a size 12 um, mm. and I've never really kind of been too overly concerned with like how I look. I've always been quite sporty, but I was never into like sports and activity because I wanted to change my body. It was just simply because of how it made me feel and all of that stuff. But I I have to be honest, since becoming an instructor, you do kind of become so aware of like what Mm -hmm. you look like. And there had to be a point where I had to check myself just because I was like, it's not, it's not about this. It's about what I can give people and what they can take from being with me and stuff like that. And it's, you're definitely right it definitely takes coaching of like the mind to to really change that thought process because if for example I mean I 
it's, it's difficult as well with the fitness industry because a lot of people are like you know like your body and how you look is like it's like your business card your brand, brand. It's your brand. Yeah. <laughs> like I get it yeah. but also it's like where's the balance and like not taking it to that extreme mm. where it's mm-hmm. like you're then doing things or you're behaving a certain way or then you're you're restricting yourself mm-hmm. to make yeah. sure that you you look a certain way so I thought that was like a really interesting point to for you to make and also knowing that it's not only in just like the fitness industry that that can happen yeah. it, it happens all over so thanks it for does definitely um I know I've got a I've got someone that I work really closely with I don't know if you've heard of Amy Snellin mm-hmm. um I have to look her up on Instagram after this yeah. she's um yeah she's um one of the people who founded um fitness professionals against weight stigma and they do brilliant they, they're fantastic trainings about weight inclusive um fitness which is just it's just wonderful and um she's a straight size personal like personal trainer um and she went she really openly went through a lot of disordered eating and i think it's something that's quite common within nutrition and within um, personal training because it is expected that if you eat well and if you move that you're going to actually look a certain way whereas actually that isn't the that isn't realistic for the majority of people and that's also okay and that's fine and I think that's a really important message that I like to talk about quite a lot especially on my social media is that I I am a nutritionist I know exactly how to eat um I enjoy movement I'm not a personal trainer like no way I wouldn't know what to do there but I enjoy movement I enjoy exercise <laughs> Like, I'll, you guys can stick with that side of things, definitely. <laughs> I'll stick with the nutrition side. But I'm still fat. Um, as I said, I'm a mid-fat. And I like people to see that and to see my body, to actually realise that you can be happy in your own body. You can still nourish yourself really well. You don't have to feel like that your body is broken for the whole of your life and you have to die for the rest of your life because I can't think of a worse thing for someone to feel and like a lot of people feel as if they have to step out of memories and they can't be part of memories or if they've got something going with their children and they're down by the swimming pool they have to sit by the swimming pool fully clothed rather than like literally jumping in diving in with having yeah. all the fun and that life's for living not for sitting on the side thinking how horrible you look like there's much more to life than our physical appearance it's actually the least interesting thing about us um it's much more interesting like i'm much more interested as a as a person than what my body looks like and that's what i want everyone to know about as well as obviously being able to heal their relationship with their food yeah i think that's a good point because especially as women i know that their um problems well, men face problems as well with the kind oh, of yeah, body aesthetic and a lot of programs that are on currently with, you know, guys with six packs and everything. So they oh, have gotcha. their problems too. But I think as women, we waste a lot of years on this. I can say from personal experience that I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite sad, really. It really is quite is. sad. Yeah. So... Okay, there's a lot around losing weight and fat and everything. So, you know, these trends and things come and go around and come and go around again. 
Um, one of the things that seems to be quite current at the moment is intermittent, intermittent fasting. Yes. So <laughs> helpful, harmful, sustainable. What do you think? Oh, probably from what I said, you probably know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I just want you to say it. <laughs> oh, now for those I, in the back. <laughs> hate it. Absolutely well, hate it. Have you tried it, it yourself? Um, I could say technically I try it every single day when I go to sleep. True. Yeah, that's really fast. Yes, I, high five over there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. That's true. Yeah. When you're sleeping. And and how about the time in between meals? Like when I'm not feeling hungry, I'm not just sitting there eating. Like between mm. breakfast and my mid-morning snack, I'm technically fasting because I just don't want to eat. Like we do that as part of our bodily processes. Why are we trying to put a time on that mm. when we actually have like this? lot. this is the whole thing about ignoring our biology like we have hormones in our body and these hormones are there whether we like it or not as women we have hormones that control our monthly cycle if we have monthly cycle um i can't just sit there and willpower and determine my way out of the cycle one month i literally can't sit here and be like right I'm not going to have a period this month. I'm not going to have a period this month. It's not going to happen. I mean, it would be great if it we could do great. that. Yeah. It makes things very easy, but yeah. it's not going to happen. And the reason why I say that is because our hunger and our fullness is directly linked to our hormones as well. Mm. We have hunger hormones that tell us and signal to us when we're hungry. We have fullness hormones that signal to us when we're full. Why ignore yeah. that? Like, because when we do ignore that, our body screams at us much more, which is part of this survival process I was talking about as well. So when we're ignoring our hunger, your body goes, I'm still really hungry. I'm still really hungry, but I'm still really hungry. I'm still, and literally will get louder and louder and louder, which is also another reason why we end up binging because we get to a stage where we cannot ignore that. Yeah. We have to do something about it because your body needs nutrition. Your body needs calories and we need to honor that. So rather than giving ourselves this, this time, I, I mean, I understand the theory. If you have a smaller amount of time to eat, then you're cutting out calories. The people that I've known that have done intermittent fasting or clients that have come to me who have experienced it, they've gone from like a really large window of being able to eat. One person came down to an hour each day. Um, the hour each day that they ate, they ate for the whole hour. Mm. They were getting in as much food into their body as possible within the hour. And the reason why that they have to make their windows smaller and smaller and smaller is to sustain your weight loss because of that survival process. Again, your body wants your your body goes, why are we not eating this? within these times? It recognizes that. So it puts loads of survival yours so you've got to keep on taking that down your body's still going to keep on fighting you because it doesn't want you to do that mm. it actually wants you to have some weight on you like that's the whole idea of things so intermittent fasting isn't great for that any of the health benefits that you see just you can get those health benefits from intuitive eating right and you can actually eat the, the whole idea basically is more for the weight loss um I call it a really privileged way to starve yourself. 
because there are people that in countries other than ours or even even our countries that cannot afford to eat and have those windows of eating because they cannot afford to get food it's a very privileged way of being able to starve yourself it's just and something by another name isn't it really it really is like it's it's quite terrible and a lot of disordered eating comes from that i would actually say in itself intrusive eating is disordered eating um and it does lead down to a road of eating disorders you have around about a five times five well five five percent increase not five percent is a five five times get that right Jeanette five times <laughs> increase of um eating like developing an eating disorder with yeah. intermittent fasting and I think that's not something that people talk about a lot with dieting we assume that dieting is going to be like this massive fix in our lives you know I'm gonna lose my three stone and I'm gonna look amazing I'm gonna love myself and that that feeling that you that you love yourself is short-lived because you you need to keep on because you're trying to get external validation from other people you're trying to get compliments from other people rather than that internal validation you're still going to crave that even more so as soon as that finishes then you're going to be like well what, what can i do next i'll lose a bit more weight or you found the diet difficult by that stage and you started putting on the weight again so you feel really shamed of yourself mm. so uh, there's so much like literally so much i can talk about with that okay <laughs> my god we're going to talk to myself eventually, otherwise we will literally be here for hours. <laughs> well, that's fine. It could be like a bumper issue, like the two-hour yes. special, two hour special with Jeanette. Next week yeah. on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here actually, because yes. we're talking yeah. about fasting. Um have I tried it? I'm gonna be honest. Yes, I have. I have. Um, How did you find it? I was hungry. <laughs> I found it. Okay, so I found it. I found it a little bit silly. If, yeah. I, if I'm completely honest, only because when I really checked it and when I was doing the timings, it was like, oh well, I kind of always have a late breakfast anyway. So it, oh. like, it, I don't know. You've already done it. Yeah. Bit and then when you then put like the window in, it just makes you so much more conscious. And I just didn't like that yeah. feeling of being like, okay, it's time to eat, guys. Yeah, like it's just, it was just, I just found it really a bit weird. So I was, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't know why I was doing it, if I'm honest with you. I didn't know yeah. the reason why I just saw that people were doing it. And I thought, oh, like it's, it's, it's not like, dieting as you as you think like yeah you know what I mean it's, it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle yeah. like this is just what I do so I thought oh well let me just see what this is yeah all. but then I was just like oh well I don't know what it's doing for me really mm. I, I, I never chose to do it to lose weight so what is it really doing I'll oh, scrap that I'm just not going to do it so I just didn't. I'm so glad you scrapped that <laughs> such a good thing yeah it just didn't make sense and then also like again going back to what I do for my job sometimes mm. I, I I teach a class at 6 30 in the morning like so yeah I I need something like I can't mm. yeah you and sometimes Ill. and the thing is I'm not saying that at that time of the morning because you have to then get up super early that I'm eating mm. like a full bowl of porridge sometimes it's as simple as a banana do you know it's I mean? still something so, though, it, isn't it, it yeah. yeah so it just, it just can't really work in my world if I want to no. be healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, 
so yeah so anyway going obviously we've spoken about that i wanted to <laughs> i wanted i wanted to talk about something that like i hope i'm not like poking the bear here and um, because i know a lot of people are vegans oh, no. yeah for reasons mm. yeah yeah but i do know that a lot mm. of people choose to to like veganism to lose weight is that i don't want to say is that right or is that wrong because we can't really say that but like is there a better way or does this then fit into like the whole idea of diet and restriction then because essentially if you're saying i don't want to eat meat because of the environment or because i don't like the idea of killing animals then mm -hmm. why are you restricting so Talk to us about what you think about that subject. Steve, I love the idea of becoming vegan mm. um, for the ethical reasons and mm. the moral reasons. I, I love like all of that. It's totally really aligns with, with kind of how I feel about stuff. Um, I'd be a terrible vegan. I'm awful. Honestly, <laughs> I tried. I tried it once. Um, I lasted, I think, three days um but I think I went all in and it wasn't it felt very diet culturing so and this is my problem I have with it I don't have a problem with being vegan for the ethical reasons because I can totally see that totally understand that yeah I don't understand why diet culture has suddenly taken it on and been like oh my god this is the best thing to you for you this is going to make you more healthy do people need a reason to be ethical rather than to be ethical with things? Why do we have to bring in weight loss into it? And that made me sad when that started happening, like in the past few years, because I was like, this is such this is such a worthwhile thing for people to do. And it's a belief, isn't it? Like it's a real like core belief for people to do. And I feel like as soon as we start bringing in weight loss into it, it almost waters it down. Mm. Um, it makes it something that people, rather than doing it because they believe in, you know, not harming um, animals and being animal lovers and trying to preserve as much life as possible, it's just taking that and boiling it down to let's just lose some weight. And that's sad. I think that's really sad that it's kind of been co-opted like that. And there's so many things that do get co-opted for it. Can we, we can use anything. We could literally use anything and call it weight loss. Yeah. There are people out there that do intuitive eating for weight loss. It's rubbish. It's never supposed to be used for weight loss. Same with vegan, like being a vegan is never meant to be used for weight loss. There are other reasons why we do these things. Actually, vegan is for the ethical reasons. Intuitive eating is actually to sort out all that muddle up like all that muddle out and take weight out of the equation, which is the whole reason why we do these things. And it makes me so frustrated that mm. that happens. And it's always a thing that's sold when you have someone who is a vegan health coach that they're not selling the ethical reasons behind the veganism. They're selling the weight loss that may or may not happen behind the veganism because you can get fat vegans as well. Like, the whole idea of like being fat is that um, 
we don't just I don't I don't just sit here and stuff my face with ice cream every single day and do nothing like that's an assumption that people have yeah. about fat people and you can get vegan ice cream so like it's it's one of those things that I just think just why why are you doing this mm. why does this have to be a thing why can't we just let it be as it is and just yeah. take weight but we are a weight obsessed world it is everywhere that we look I mean when you look on social media and on the tv that's like it's all curated isn't it it's all people take photos to flatter themselves to make them look as skinny as possible because skinny is like the ultimate goal in life for a lot of people when you look on tv the average weight of a normal person on on tv that you see is is actually 15 percent lower than the normal person you'll see out in tesco so when you've got that in front of you all the time it's no wonder we are absolutely obsessed with this thinness beauty ideal yeah which is why everything gets so co-opted and it's big business i mean the diet oh, huge business it's oh it's worth so yeah. much money 72 billion dollars currently wow yeah and it's going to grow to over 90 billion dollars in the next couple of years now if diets worked why is it still growing well exactly answers on a postcard please Mike, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. please do exactly. <laughs> exactly now talking about things not working because we've established that diets don't yeah. work. I really want to ask you about the BMI. Um, oh, that isn't fit. Please tell me that's not oh. fit for purpose, that it's an outdated system and it needs to be done away with. I mean, I'm no professional, but yeah, I tend to think um, I have some sort of sense about stuff. And yeah. please tell me that it's not right because I just, I don't think it's right. <laughs> and you're, you you know, you're a nutritionist. Yeah. Please help us because I don't think it's right. <laughs> I can tell you some really, really, really disgusting things about BMI. Please do. Just horrible. Don't know if you're going to have to edit them out though, because they're quite shocking. Some of them. Okay. okay. Like we go, we're going in here. Let's so in. ready. Oh, BMI is I think it's actually really shocking that we use it to this day. BMI was created by a man who's who was a sociologist and he was an astronomer. Nothing to do with like what? I know. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. So nothing to do with human biology. <laughs> wow. Nothing to do with that. It gets worse. It gets worse. So he decided that he wanted to work out what the ideal man's measurements was. The appearance of an ideal man, the appearance of an ideal white man right. in Europe. Okay. So he went around and it was very based, his theories were based in um, eugenics. So he oh. wanted to test out and create a man that, were, that fit these measurements. Yeah. So that's where your normal came from. If you fit in a normal BMI, you fit into an astronomer's and a sociologist's view of what a white man should look like so yeah. he was kind of trying to create this 
if you weren't in that normal range, you were deemed as being disabled. Wow. That's shocking. That's shocking. Yes. So we still use that today. That same equation we use today. Um, it was mainly picked up by um, kind of health insurance people. They changed it. Literally, they changed it. So the reason why they changed it was because it was lobbied by um, pharmaceutical companies who were creating weight loss tablets at the time. So they moved the BMI um, equations down. So loads of people who were in the overweight range. Oh, no, right. it wasn't down. Was it down? No, it was down. Overweight went to obese. So literally overnight, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world went from overweight to obese, which means they were more treatable with weight loss tablets. Quite a big thing. Yeah. Wow. So it gets worse because we still use that same equation in the set that he did with only that change Mm. to this day, which obviously excludes like everyone but a white man. Mm, which frustrates me because we're using this widely within the nhs to put people that that literally shouldn't be put on that scale even white men shouldn't be put on that scale because it's one person's (laughs) thought of like what a man should look like it doesn't make any sense at the same time that this scale was created just it I don't just want to give a context of what was going on in the time that okay. this science was going on with that right in the time of that so this is where we get into some really gross nitty-gritty of a bit of kind of science history at the time yeah and um, they came up with hysteria for women and women had hysteria once a month that was PMS they didn't realize it was PMS they didn't realize it was related to hormones Mm. So hysteria was treated by a woman being taken into a doctor's without consent and they'd use a vibrator on them, which is when the vibrator was actually um, discovered and actually created and uterine madness left their body through a um, vibrator and then they were okay and the hysteria was cured. So they were basically assaulting and abusing people at that same time that BMI was created. I know, isn't it crazy? Like, we still use BMI to do it. Could you imagine the mind blows? Yeah. Literally. I mean, like you said, the context of the time, but I'm still just thinking. (laughs) I mean, I'm (laughs) sat here speechless. I have no words. I know. It gets gets even, it gets worse as well. So at the same time, they had this person who was trying to um, theorologize different people. So he decided that we had homo sapiens, which were white. Mm. Then he also created this mythical thing and said that there was a different type of human being and they were homo criminalatus and they were black people. And they tried to segregate using that as well. So that's the same time that BMI was created. And could you imagine any of that? Like if that, if someone literally theorized right now, there would be, I mean, there would be a huge uproar. It wouldn't even be thought of right now. Women being taken into the doctors like that, there'd be a huge uproar. Like we know those things are wrong. We know deep down to our core that those things are disgustingly wrong. Yeah, we use BMI every day. 
to this. Fine. Yeah. Let's do so it. So my question is why? Yeah, why? <laughs> because they started putting the science together with having a look at the BMI scale against health. But what they didn't do is what what they don't do is they don't adjust for certain things. So there is a lot of bias in science. Yeah. And that's the problem. When we've got a lot of bias in science, we've got so much bias from every single inter intellect uh, intersectionality within science. I mean, there are so many marginalized communities that aren't actually explored within any of the human biology science that are there yeah. because they just go for the greatest amount of people that they can gain access to at the time. But when they're doing that, they're creating this huge section of like people that they're not actually exploring the science into. Yeah. So that's what they did with BMI. A lot of BMI science is on white people. A lot of BMI science doesn't actually look at access to healthcare. It doesn't look at whether someone can actually go to the doctors and access quality healthcare from that. Yeah. It doesn't look at their financial situation, their socioeconomic situation. It ignores so much. It just purely goes, here's BMI, here's death rate. When actually there's so much more to it. And that's a sad thing. There's a lot of horrible bias that goes on in science. Yeah. And it's not going to be challenged for a long time, unfortunately. Oh my goodness. That I'm stunned. Or do you I mean, take a bit of like of a deep kind of uh, turn? Yeah, because like when we did um, one of our issues about the menopause, yeah, and women used to be taken into um, asylums because they were crazy. Oh, no. It's the same kind of like Mike, like the same kind of moment. Like, is this for real? What did? What? Yeah. So my great great granny or whoever. Mm may potentially have had to go through that. I know. Period. I just can't believe it. I, I know. It's, it's just, when I looked into that history and I was just like, oh, breathe, Jeanette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe. Wow. I mean, I, know. I always thought that it was rubbish, but obviously I didn't know the science and, you know, where the holes mm. were came yeah. from because I went to the doctors well I got called to the doctors they were doing this thing about like people in their 40s that weren't on any medication they were doing this thing to kind of like I don't know check people's health and stuff so okay. I got this letter to go into the surgery and it was basically like a health check and everything mm. and everything was fine and then they got the BMI chart and I was like where are you going with that <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. were like, mm, well, and fortunately, the nurse said, well, I'm not even going to look at the BMI chart because um, technically it's saying you're overweight, but you're quite active and you run marathons, so I'm not even going to look at it. So I thought, good, you have good. a good nurse there. People like Brilliant. you because yeah. I just thought that, that that just can't be the measure of a person because we're all so different and diverse how can that be a one yeah. size fits all thing for it's, us it, it just doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't make any sense I mean what makes sense is when just using this horrible equation that has the most hideous history why can't mm. we just say so do you feel like you're eating okay at the moment how much exercise do you have How's your mental health at the moment? Yeah. How are you feeling about yourself? 
How's your, do you feel stable in your financial and your home situation? Those are going to tell people so much more about an individual's health than where you are on a BMI chart. Like actually look at a person first. And, you know, we, we don't need to use BMI. We shouldn't be using BMI. It's absolutely horrible to be using BMI. Um, yeah. So when people talk about BMI to me, I'm just like, we don't need to know about BMI. Yeah, I saw your face. You're like, hmm, where no. are we going with this? Chuck it in a bin now. <laughs> Chuck it in the bin. Goes in the bin. <laughs> Good. And it needs to. And there's a lot of people lobbying to get rid of it as well. And there's a lot of people lobbying to get rid of even scales within the doctor's surgery as well, because yeah. it's it cannot be a measure of our health. As I said, you can be fat, you can be healthy, you can be thin, you can be healthy, you can be thin, you can be unhealthy. You know, yeah. there is this huge range of things. Yes, nutrition is obviously I'm a nutritionist. Nutrition is important. There's yeah. only so much nutrition can do for us. Sometimes we are unlucky and sometimes we end up being ill. And that's not our fault. If I'm well being fat, People assume I literally have on my Instagram people telling me I'm going to die literally tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's the reality of being a fat creator. Literally, you're going to die soon. How do you know? Oh, I could wow. do, like, I, I legitimately could do, but anyone could do. Mm. That's just part of life, unfortunately. But also, everything that's happening to my body isn't going to be like my choice I don't wake up every single day thinking I'm going to aim for type 2 diabetes in the future let's get going with this like it doesn't our bodies don't work like that yeah so I think that's important as well I think it's important to know that yes nutrition is important yes exercise really like two brilliant things we can focus on but we could focus on those for the whole of our life to an obsessive point you mean orthorexia is literally the obsession of eating and healthy eating and that kind of thing and and exercising and stuff but that isn't healthy for us and we could still end up being unhealthy in the future as well yeah it's just I think there's an unhealthy obsession about being healthy sometimes it's not a moral failure if you end up being ill yeah good point so have you got any more questions yes I do so <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> thank you. So can you share some tips on how women can change their mindset, how they can see themselves and find a way to body acceptance? Because this is a lot yeah. to unpack, you know, there's so much gotcha. that we've learned. Yeah. And you kind of have to unlearn it and then put everything yeah. back together again. So how would you help someone if someone's listened to this? And they're like, right, okay, this intuitive eating is something for me. How would you help them to get on that path? It's, I think everyone comes, most people come to intuitive eating from a place of being utterly fed up of feeling so ashamed about themselves and so ashamed about what they're eating and thinking to themselves, they just feel so out of control with just like I said that model they just feel like they want to eat healthily but all they seem to do is eat everything that we assume we shouldn't be eating and that makes them feel really bad about themselves and so they live in this in this life of just feeling ashamed about themselves ashamed about their eating a lot of people come to me with um like 
secret eating, emotional eating, binge eating, overeating, you know, a lot of stuff to unpack. And a lot of people come to me still wanting to lose weight. And I think that's a really key thing to say, because although I don't advocate intentional weight loss and intuitive eating isn't there for intentional weight loss, but you can still come to the journey being so fed up of everything you've done so far because you've done every single diet under the sun hasn't worked. You've realized it's probably never going to work for you, but you need to be trying something else to actually make your body feel good and make you feel good but you can still come with wanting to lose weight. And that's when I kind of swoop in and go, okay, and I challenge that. Body image isn't solved by, by, by thinking that we can fix our body by making it smaller. Mm. It's actually, this is why I call my, the mindset nutritionist, is that everything that's going on in here. And if we don't actually um, get, like sort out what's going on in our mind and unpack that, we're never going to get to a place where we have a good body image. And anyone can find that good body image, no matter what size they're at, which is really, really important to say. You don't have to be a someone who's like the Kardashians to feel good about themselves because that's realistic, unrealistic for like so many mm. people. Where I would pe tell people to start is to really have a look, have a critical look at their social media feeds. Really great place to start. If you're not ready to start stepping away from weight loss stuff, fine keep that in your social media feeds but try and diversify and diversify meaning every single person like try and get um fat creators on there try to get um, people who are a bit less fat try to get a range of bodies so you're starting to see rather than just one shape and size you're trying to get mm. a range of shape and size in there and that starts challenging your view of actually what people look like other simple wins to do is um, to do, it depends in, on how you feel about your body, is I quite like telling people to um, have a shower, but have a mindful shower. So when you're showering, um, literally take time to actually feel your body and see how your body feels, feel any ripples that go on in your body, mm. any dimples, any rolls. Rolls are like a normal thing, like feel them. A lot of people come to me saying that they feel really shocked about how they look. Whereas actually, if we take that shock away by actually getting to know our body, by, you know, actually taking time to get to know our body. And when you've done that in the shower a few times and you're feeling more comfortable, you're feeling like you actually know what your body feels like, you can start moving to a mirror and start introducing you actually looking at yourself in the mirror. And at first it could be with clothes on. And I highly advocate doing it when you're naked as well and trying to move to looking at yourself naked. And I even say to people, get in front of the mirror and dance naked. Mm. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, I know someone who A lot. It's brilliant. Mm. I love it. She does it like, <laughs> I'll just go into her room and she'll just be like, <laughs> Wow. See, see, tell me. Now you're hearing it from a professional. You can't look at me well, sideways. <laughs> yes, okay, right. Help me. <laughs> see, I have to put this in mind. <laughs> exactly. But obviously, there are going to people, be people who are like, I hate dancing. If you are someone who is hate, someone who just doesn't enjoy dancing, then that's probably not going to be for you. But you can literally 
you can literally put yourselves that you can like sit down in front of the mirror and see how your body bends and curves in the mirror. You can sit cross-legged and see how your body curves and folds there. So there's loads of stuff that you can do because part of the reason why we feel so bad about our appearance is because we'll maybe have one photo and we've gone, oh my God, I can't believe I look like that. But actually, yeah. if you start getting used to what you actually look like, and this is your step towards body acceptance, Body positivity is a completely different thing. Body, you know, self-love is a completely different thing. And when you're bringing those in, you're literally on different ends of the spectrum. You've got someone sitting there who might be despising their body, feeling so shameful about what they look like. And if you say to them, okay, you need to love yourself. That's an impossible task. It literally feels like you have to be a different person in a different body, hence why like weight loss and stuff, to be able to get there. Whereas if we're saying, actually, we don't want you to, I mean, if you could eventually love yourself, then brilliant. But rather than aiming for love, I want you to aim for acceptance of what your body is right now or neutrality. And both of those are just as good as body love or body positivity for so many people because some people just can't reach for that because there's so much going on in their brains and neutrality and acceptance is equally as valid as feeling positive about your body and it's so much better than loathing yourself yes exactly yeah that's brilliant so final final thing for me um i've thoroughly enjoyed that chat by the way i have um, oh my goodness <laughs> Final thing, can you please let everybody know where they can find you? Yes. Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook um, on The Mindset Nutritionist. And you can find me on my website as well, which is mindsetnutritionist.co.uk. Lovely! Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So... What did you think of that then? Oh, I love Jeanette. Jeanette She's just like so straight talking. And um, I'm going to talk about a little bit actually that we didn't record because we got to the end of our conversation and we was just having like our post chat. Mm -hmm. And um, she was talking about pregnancy and like Slimming World and how sometimes... (laughs) Basically, um, Slimming World was a recommendation for... Um, pregnant women that were a little overweight and I think they actually had a partnership with was it with the NHS I I want to make sure I get it right something like this but basically it's just information that you just wouldn't think would be a thing you wouldn't think pregnant women should be advised to diet at all I mean okay if you're if you're suffering from gestational diabetes okay yes you have to monitor your diet or watch it or be mindful of it at least. But actually putting a pregnant person on a diet is just, wow, it, it's just mind-blowing. And when we discuss that, I, you know... Do you know what is... I couldn't believe for it. For me, it's not even about, like, the diet in terms of, like, yeah, you could be pregnant and, like, maybe a little bit obese or whatever, and the doctor sends you to a, a dietitian or a nutritionist or whatever yeah it's the fact that slimming world like promotes like this it is about like weight loss and slimming being like slimming world. like that is like that is the big cue there like the slimming part cue the title slimming yeah well so it just like 
I don't know. It just shocked me a bit. I just didn't. Mm. I just didn't expect that. I didn't think it was a thing. Um, I mean, we're not medical practitioners, but I just feel that it it's not right. It really yeah. There isn't was, there, right. There's something about it that just felt off. Yes. When she was she was chatting with us about that, but um, yeah. I just think it it's a really interesting conversation, and in yeah. terms of like um, taking it back to like the inspo of the week and stuff. Um, just how sometimes for a lot of people they equate like what you look like as to how healthy you are yeah and sometimes that's not even the case and like health health isn't just about how much you weigh or how less you weigh or whatever it's about so many other things it's about what's going on in the inside it's about what's going on for you mentally exactly Um, so there's so many factors that play into you being healthy other than how much fat is underneath your skin. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was a really interesting conversation, I think. Very. I mean, and the fact that um, Jeanette has titled herself the mindset nutritionist is is really quite powerful because I think all these things, you know, any changes that you want start in the mind. And, you know, with intuitive eating and body positivity, you really have to kind of unpack almost everything that you've learned and that you've been taught yeah all these years and that's why um the section where we spoke at length about the body mass index really got to me on a personal level because we've been taught so much in misinformation that when you actually go to unpack it all and kind of address all of the issues it's really really difficult to to understand and I've always thought that the BMI was you know a pile of trash but to hear someone with the qualifications who is an actual nutritionist um break it down and say where it came from was just mind-blowing so I'm eternally grateful to Jeanette for enlightening us in that way it's brilliant I loved it as you can tell I love Jeanette (laughs) let us know what you thought I was going to talk about the social media handles but I think it's obvious that I've got it now no it's not so say it relatively at relatively fit pod okay oh my god (laughs) okay so yeah stay connected and join Join the the conversation conversation. bye Bye. love y'all bye Thank you.